welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, I'm Rick, joined by Alex and Paola in this, the penultimate week of Otome. But dare I say there's something more important going on than pretty anime boys. We have with us... I'm sorry, Paola. <laughs> we I wanted to have... say something snappy like, what could be more important than pretty anime boys or something like that? <laughs> wow. Listeners at home, the answer to that question is we have with us the visionary, dare I say, behind the How Long To Beat website, and by extension, this podcast, uh, the lovely Everdread, a.k.a. Randy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I, the pleasure is all ours, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, in terms of how this is going to work, we're going to do the usual uh, getting to know the guests. We've also got some more specific questions uh, about the ins and outs of running such a successful, amazing, perfect, all the superlatives website for like a decade. Um, and then we're going to talk about the games that Randy's been beating and retiring, what we've all been playing. Uh, and then we'll finish with two games. Firstly, guess the game, where the aim of the game is to guess the guest's game. And finally, say it with me, how long, how to, long beat? to beat, how to beat the, the game. game? Nice. Lovely. Without further ado, Alex, why don't you take us right in? Yeah, let's do some interview times. So, Randy, what part of the world do you live in? And how does that affect your gaming? So I live in the Midwest of America, in a state called Minnesota. Um, I don't know that it particularly affects my gaming that much. Everything is widely available. Um, you know, maybe in a sense, I am kind of, I do kind of lean towards American style games. You know, like I play a lot of shooters, a lot of action games, um, but I definitely delve into all of the different genres. But yeah, just really no major impact because of where I live. I have great internet. That's one thing. Hey, that's a big deal, right? Like I remember growing up in just the, you know, rural Canada and the internet was just terrible. Nowadays, I'm like, oh man, I download games so fast. It's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat as Alex. My internet growing up was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I just get, I just got gig internet and it's like blowing my mind. I get like 900 something down. Are you serious? Oh, that's still so much better than up here. In Canada, we're stuck in like... um. There's like three basically um, like internet providers who just monopolize the entire market and they have no interest in making the internet fast. <laughs> They're just like, <laughs> we'll make it expensive and fine. Nice. So, okay, you, you touched on it a little bit, but like what's your gaming background or, or your preference? I know you play a lot of Xbox games, huh? I do, yeah. So I grew up a Nintendo kid. Um, I had an NES and then a Super Nintendo and you know, I was kind of obsessed with Nintendo through the GameCube. And then um, when the Xbox came out, it introduced Xbox Live. And once I got that first hit of online gaming, I definitely got hooked on that. And then ever since then, I kind of bounced between PC and console. It goes in waves kind of as the generations pass. So when a new console comes out, I'm hot on it for the first couple of years. And then I build a new PC and I, you know, I'm on that basically until the next console comes out. So I'm still right now, I managed to get a Series X, and I'm kind of in the honeymoon phase of that and playing a ton of Xbox and a ton of Game Pass. Yeah, we're in the same boat. I'm 100% in the honeymoon phase of the Series X. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh, lightning fast. Um, yeah, that SSD makes all the difference. It seriously does. It's wild. Um, nice. Okay. So what would you then say, like, I guess from all of your, you know, um years of gaming what's your console of choice and why or your favorite that you've ever used uh, i mean my all-time favorite is the super nintendo i just feel like there's so many timeless classics so that's like to me top tier classic gaming um 
and then like I said, now it's I definitely lean Xbox. Um, except for the beginning of last generation, the Xbox came out with their whole media based thing, and um, I went all the way on PS4 until like halfway through the generation when I felt like Sony is just way too cocky. And Xbox started making the right moves. They backwards compatibility is a big thing for me. I play a ton of um, older titles on there. Um, so yeah, now Series X is, is my main platform. Yeah, I find that's pretty common too, right? Like, I don't know about the rest of you, but for me too, it's sort of like I follow where it's, you know, game's kind of going. I was like PS4 and then I'm like, uh, now I like the moves that they're making. I'm very much a console flip-flopper. <laughs> I, and Same. there's definitely an, an alternation is that the right word? In terms of like who's dominant, who's doing the right things and, and that stuff. Although I, th- I think it gets trickier the more and more games are digital because then you're taking a library with you and you become invested. And at least outside of, of us where, we, where we're sort of playing all the games in all the places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's one of the reasons I went all in on Xbox too for the time being is because I, I really feel like with the back, backwards compatibility and stuff like that, they're proving that I'm going to be able to play these games for a long time. And I think... That's going to be the case with Sony as well, but you know you're kind of losing that PS3 generation because of the architecture change. Yeah, yeah, it's been a roller coaster a couple of months on that for sure. Um, and if if they don't fix it, it's definitely going to be a a big cross against them. I'm low key debating whether I'm going to try and uh, you know the the little button batteries where they keep the time, and that's been the whole thing. Um, where they're saying once that dies, you you can't play without accessing the network that won't be there forever. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's just like, oh god, I'm like trying to join them while I can. <laughs> Collect all my retro consoles and mod them and stuff. You know, just like keep them safe. <laughs> um, nice. So, what then? Do you have like a memory or a moment uh, there that you think of that was like this is what got you into gaming? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't remember the exact year, but my dad got an NES for Christmas one year, um, and of course, he had to be the first one to play it. But I remember just like sitting there, like in awe, like. I couldn't wait to try it. And, you know, basically once I did, I've been kind of into gaming ever since. Um, Mario Brothers was definitely the first game I played. Um, I remember I had a, I was sitting in my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle tent that I got for Christmas, (laughs) watching my dad play it, just waiting for my turn. Um, Yeah. Ever since then. It's just like, that was it. Tides have changed. That was it, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm a whole new person. Yeah, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle tent. That's that that really places it right there, right? Like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was probably six years old, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been what in the '80s, right? Late '80s or something like that. I would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been '90s. Might have been '90s. Yeah. Well, I just remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was a craze. <laughs> What's the story behind your username? Actually, this is a good one. I want to know. What's the story? Although I think I might. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> yeah. So um, my username is Everdread, and Everdread is a character from the video game Earthbound. It's a game on the Super NES. It has a really lighthearted, fun story. It's a an RPG, um, very different than the RPGs of that time, and and that game really. Like that's that's one of my all time favorite games. Um, I just love how creative it is. And Everdread is a character in the Second Town Tucson, um, and he's like a kind of like a crankier old guy, very cynical. I don't, you know, I don't even honestly know why I chose it as a username. So is, is that one that you played sort of when it came out, or did you come to it later? I don't know how many years it was after I played it, but. Um, I grew up in a small town, and they had a rental store there. 
And Everdread came in this massive box. And for whatever reason, they still used that massive box on display. Um, so I was just like always intrigued by it. And I rented it one time. And it, for some reason, the rental place gave you the, the game guide with it, which was really cool. And like... I don't the whole the whole thing was bizarre to me because it like it just stood out so much and um yeah I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say at that point. No, that's fine. That is that is interesting because I know I'm actually currently reading um Boss Fight Books did one on Earthbound. Um I've talked about them a little bit, so I've been like reading about like just the way that game came to the States and the kind of disaster that the marketing team was on that one and like the oversized box was part of it. It was like the game was so expensive when it first came, apparently. Yeah. It was crazy. And then a couple years later, I was able to buy it at a Kmart and it was like $80. It didn't make any sense. Seriously. I think it was like 107 when it first came out, which like that's insane, right? Like that is crazy expensive. Um, yeah. And like yeah. it sold like 200,000 copies or something, which it's not for the marketing they put into it. It's not much. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, still very fond in the hearts of many. I, I'm like halfway through the game right now. I have to I have to beat it on my Smith Mini. Um, nice. Well, there music. You. Yeah, seriously. All right. Well, why don't we continue on then? We've learned a little bit more about Randy. And now I want to learn a little bit more about how long to beat because we've got some questions. Because, you know, finally we can pick your brain. It's great. Um, so do you remember like what sparked the idea of creating how long to beat? Like how did how did this how did this start? Yeah, about ten years ago, um, Humble Bundle was com- coming out, and Steam was really popular with their crazy cheap game sales. And I was just kind of getting overloaded with games. Like I was buying games for like a dollar, and you know I had a a backlog of two hundred fifty games, and I wanted to play them all. So I was just kind of brainstorming ways to to get through that list. And what I did was there was a a gaming forum. NeoGAF, which is still around, but kind of some things went down a few years ago and they've separated into um, Resetera and NeoGAF. It's a whole thing. But um, I started a thread on there kind of polling the users on how long different games were and building out an Excel spreadsheet. Um, Well, the thread kind of took off and I just was like, hey, why don't I just make a website around this? Um, Set one up in a few days and it was super basic. It was literally a single page with a whole list of games and how long um, in a table they were to beat. And, you know, users could anonymously just submit times to me, um, and I'd add them manual. It was a whole manual process. So um, that was kind of the the generation of it, and just slowly building on it since then. You know, it's kind of, like, it's funny. Like, I think about it, and, like, it seems like an idea that just makes so much sense, right? It's like, well, I always want to know how long. <laughs> then it's like, I can't believe even, like, in 2010 that it just, I don't know. Now that it's here, it seems like it's obvious, right? <laughs> but, like... It's the same as some of the best ideas. It's like uh, mm-hmm. you only realize once it's there, why didn't I think of that before? <laughs> and equally, I think that's how so many people find the site. It's only how I did was like, how long is X game to be? <laughs> as though someone's just going to like put that yep. on a forum. And it's like, oh, there's a website for that. Yeah, that's like how 80% of the traffic comes to the site. And that was, I was trying to think of a name for it. And I had like a few different ones that were really just generic, like game lengths and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, if I want anyone to find this site, you know, what should I call this thing? And I'm like, well, what do I do every single time? You know, how long is this game or how long to beat this game? And I mean, I basically didn't have to do anything in the site got big just because of the name. I, that, yeah, Beautiful. genius. <laughs> There's a related question. It's not on, on the sheet, but it's just occurred to me because I 
tangentially more and more i'm seeing the website and the website's time sort of screen capped in um videos on youtube in video essays and other things just in, in more broader media um on the back end are you seeing sort of particular traffic spikes around certain big creators or have you seen more of a um, uh, a trend of more sort of traffic recently is there anything that you're seeing on that end not specifically i mean the like if you look at like a growth chart of the site it kind of just continues to slowly go up um there's a spike here and there and it's usually around something like e3 when like a bunch of games get announced um also like christmas time so many people are buying <laughs> games i think they're literally just looking for like i'm thinking about buying this thing you know how much time is it so i can get my money's worth or whatever the case is that makes that sense. That E3 thing almost doesn't track, though, because why would you want to know how long a game is that isn't out yet? How how could anyone possibly have? Yeah, maybe people are backlogging them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah maybe well, people but... are like wishlisting them. Yeah, that is part of it. Yeah, and it may be you know looking at like if it's a franchise game, looking at the older titles in the franchise. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough. That that makes far more sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So, oh yeah, this is a good question. How, how did you manage juggling the site and a full-time career in the in the early years of this thing? Because I mean, this this site has to have been a lot of work. Yeah, it, it's a ton of work. Um, but luckily, I had this job. Um, previously, I worked for a bank overnight in their IT, um, and you know, at night there wasn't always a lot to do. So I would spend a, quite a few hours of the night adding games to the database. So, like, I was able to kind of get paid for a short period of time, maybe a couple of years while I worked on the site at night, you know, for a few hours here and there. Um, and then eventually, you know, I started a family and I moved to days and it became a lot more difficult. Um, so, you know, I was usually working 40 hours a week at my primary job and then kind of 20 hours, you know, throughout the week, just adding games, doing submissions. Um, but like it really has always been a labor of love and I, I genuinely enjoy doing it. Like I basically have two hobbies and it's, playing video games and maintaining a website about video games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll admit there's something like, even for me satisfying about like, you know, working on like my backlog on the site and stuff too. And like going through all the little like details and stuff. It's just kind of, I don't know. Let's be, let's be real. There's probably quite the crossover between gamers and, you know, the desire to check off checklists. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just Definitely. right. Like, the gamification of the website itself. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, how many completions can I get? There you go. Um, the metagame. The metagame is strong. <laughs> yeah, the how long to beat metagame. That's good. So, oh, actually, I guess you sort of segue into this. You kind of answered this. And also, listeners, try to um, listen to hear what part of this question Rick edited. Um, it's, <laughs> what, what has been your favorite thing about running the site, and why is it the creation of the How Long to Be podcast? I don't know. I wonder what part oh, Rick added. I didn't say that. <laughs> but jokes it's aside. a tough one, but it, it's definitely the creation of the How Long to Be podcast. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, so, part of the yeah, origin story that, that I left out. <laughs> part of the origin story that I left out was I actually created this site as a long con to get a podcast and make this guest appearance so that you know i could just become friends with rick well done it's time to cut and run you know you did it <laughs> i didn't realize the full username was m knight Everdrad. <laughs> yeah See? plot twist <laughs> oh god but yeah seriously i mean the favorite thing for me is is the community i mean i love the community on the site so as 
I don't get to interact as much as I'd like just because I'm always so busy with so many things. But like I read every post on the forum and like I love the interaction. Everybody's always so friendly and welcoming. You get a few people here and there that, you know, <laughs> cause a bit of a stir. Um, but like overall, even, you know, since I've joined um, Ziff Davis with IGN, like everybody comments about how great the community seems, which is very different than they're used to. Um, so I'm really <laughs> proud of the community that that we've built, you know, together. Yeah, I think yeah especially by internet standards, it's super wholesome. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. I, I, I've joked before too, but like honestly, I remember you know a couple years ago when I started to get like interested in the forums. It was like the reminder of what forums were kind of like early days of the internet. It was just actually fun to engage with, and like there was interesting stuff going on, and it wasn't like a bunch of people arguing. Like, and if there were arguments, it was like interesting arguments about games, you know, like it was more in that sense of like, hey, we're all passionate about this. Um, and so I don't know, I just slowly got more and more in- into it. And uh, it was such a nice compliment to the site, too, because for I think and I would imagine a lot of people, I don't know, Rick, maybe probably you could have this, but like, I know I spent a period of time where I just I was just using the site, right? Like it was like I was just using it for backlogs and for the times. And then I was like, what's this forum thing? <laughs> you know, and you're like, try it out. And then you're like this is kind of interesting. This is neat. And then the backlogs, like blogs started taking off and, um, and then the discord and the rest is history. Now I've got to admit, I was entirely the other way around. I, I signed up purely because of the game giveaway thread so I could get a copy of Mirror's Edge. <laughs> 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 Which someone was very kind to give me with like a two day old account. Um, but yeah, the rest, as they say, is history, as you say, is history. Yeah. Yeah. So, I even kind of designed the form as kind of like a throwback to because i always loved forums like i said part of the the creation of the site was because of a thread on neogaf but i always liked that classic forum type discussion mm-hmm. um and then like that's another reason why i love the community so much like the blogs are an example of something that just totally organically happened on the site you know people were making blogs because you know they just wanted to kind of catalog their stuff and i was like hey this is cool let's just make this a feature and anyone can do this and you know that's kind of the the idea behind a lot of stuff that I do. Yeah. I always like popping in there once in a while, like checking them out. Cause it was neat. Like it, I remember that it sort of organically came up too. And it was kind of around, I think when Courtney was starting, right? It was a bit before that, but like, I think when Courtney had suddenly it went real big too. Cause what else are we going to do? Then document the games we're playing. Paolo, were you going to say something? Oh, I mean, yeah, I heard, but I, I started like cataloging my backlog like for a year or so. I knew about the forum, but I was a little bit too shy to even say anything at that time. So I was like, oh, maybe I could talk about uh, games with the uh, with the people here. And it turned out that talking to people isn't as terrible as I thought at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have to talk with us poor folks every week. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, you got in too deep. Now you're on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, can't stop talking to people. That's quite the character arc there that you had, Paula. That's good. <laughs> um, to podcast host. I love it. Um Okay, so actually, yeah, I, I wanted to ask this because I'm curious. Like, we just talked a little bit about the you know period where the backlog blog sort of popped up, but I'm wondering, like, how long to be like you mentioned it's been going on for like over a decade now, and I was wondering, like, how would you categorize the phases of the site, or do you even? Is it all just kind of one big blur? Yeah, it's um, kind of a blur. Um, I mean, there's definitely kind of categories. Like in the beginning, there were no user accounts, like I mentioned, mm. anyone could submit, um, and then. You know, people were kind of saying on forums and stuff like, oh, it'd be cool if we could kind of talk about this stuff, this information. Um, so, you know, I started building on some social features and stuff like that. 
Um, but like the first two years, for sure, if you go on the Wayback Machine hmm. and look at how long to beat, it looks different like every few months. Like I was just trying to kind of mess with visual styles and see what I wanted to do, what kind of site I wanted to be. Um, and then I also remember like four or five years in, I did what I consider like the 2.0 big update, um, totally changed the visuals and add some new features and stuff like that. And I actually released that and it went horribly wrong and, and people didn't like it at all. So I pulled it back and worked on it for like three more months and released it again. Um, and then everybody was pretty welcoming. I kind of fixed everything that people had an issue with. And then ever since then, I've, I've kind of been on the same site design and stuff like that and just iterating on features, kind of fulfilling what the community wants, um, which again is like where 90% of the stuff comes from is just people's asks on the, the forum. So, Yeah, that's something I was always impressed by is like the site feedback uh, section because like, I mean, that's got to be excellent for you too, right? Like you, you get to actually... <laughs> see the ideas because i don't know about you but like you know even for me like I, I work like do art and everything and oftentimes i'm just like what do i have to change to fix this thing like you know you have no idea and like to get that external feedback all the time i mean that's yeah it definitely is and for me i actually don't know anybody in real life that uses the site so the website feedback is critical to me like i know what i want i built this site for me to start with mm-hmm. i made sure that it solved all the problems that i had and then you know, over time, you know, adding all the features that everybody else wants. Um, and then I'm even finding those useful as well. But I think I joined after you must have done the big overhaul because I don't even remember the different ones. Now I want to go on the Wayback Machine and see what things are <laughs> like. I'm already on there and it is a trip, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I used the Wayback Machine, but I don't know how. Hell. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link, pal. It's all good. There you go. You'll, why, you'll... why don't we crack on with questions mm-hmm. while I'm doing that in the background? Yeah, perfect. All right. Um, well, I guess one of the big changes recently, too, is that the site was recently purchased by Ziff Davis, meaning you got yourself a full-time job, which must feel nice can you tell us a little bit about that process and like what were your thoughts feelings during it how's it been going yeah so the whole process actually took like nine months um they contacted me through the the site feedback form um and i have actually gotten probably 50 plus people just reaching out to me like hey i want to buy the site and i was i never had any interest at all Mm. um it was always just for me a passion project i love the site i never want anything to happen to the site um and then when when they reached out to me, I was like, I know exactly who this company is without looking them up. And, you know, as I kind of talked to them, you know, it, it was a really difficult decision for me to make. Like, this is like giving up my baby, you know, like this, I put so much time and effort into, you know, raising this thing that it was just such a big decision. So, but it, at the end of the day, it was kind of like, well, I'm already working 40 hours. Um, at my regular job, kind of 20 hours on the side, like this really is my passion. And if I can find a way to make this my, my career and, and I can focus all my time on it, like I'm definitely, I'm going to do that. So that was really the end decision for me was I want to see what I can do with this site, with all my resources, with all my time. Mm. Um, and, and that's where we are now. Plus I imagine there must've been that thought of like, you can't be the one who does this forever, right? Like, I mean, eventually, you know, like, like, I mean, there's a sad thing called human life expectancy, but it's, you know, I mean, like, to imagine, like, far into the future, you know, like, I mean, I imagine you must, like, was there the thinking, too, of, like, is this a kind of a way that you can sort of secure the future of the site in some way? It really was that, too, because as much as I love it, I also go through waves. Like, if you hang out on the, the site feedback a lot, you would see in the past that like I would bang out a bunch of features and I'd be really excited. I'd be really into programming. 
new features for the site and then stuff in life would happen. You know, I had a kid and things that pulled me away that made it difficult to focus my time. And, and this helps me make sure that it'll go on and it'll live on, you know, in my discussions during the sale of the site, it, it was based around like this thing needs to survive. Like if there are any plans at all of the site shutting down or merging with something else, I'm not interested. That's not what I want here. I want to continue to build this and I want this community to continue to thrive. And um, I just feel like it's such a special place that, you know, I just worry about its safety. So Yeah, totally. I know I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm just really curious. I mean, if, if you're happy to share in terms of the the process of, of that, because it's, it's not something that I certainly, or I imagine anyone listening has been through in terms of a, a corporate acquisition. Um, how much of it was lawyers? How much of it was you actually sort of interfacing with people at Ziff Davis? What what was the process like from them getting in touch with you to to sort of putting putting pen to paper, as it were? They have a acquisition team. Um, cool, so <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Ziff Davis is a is a huge company. They're they're part of J Two Global. So. J2 Global is the parent company, and they're actually the ones that had the acquisition team reach out to me. So it was mostly for the first few months, emailing back and forth, um, kind of talking about, you know, what I want from the, you know, from a deal, um, how it makes sense for me, of course, giving them the boring stuff, giving them like, you know, metrics on the site and what kind of community um, it is and stuff like that. And then you you get into like video interviews and deciding where underneath J2 Global the site goes. Of course, it made sense to kind of join the IGN team um, since they're one of the gaming, you know, largest gaming sites in the world. Yeah. It was very interesting. I personally didn't involve any lawyers. I did everything myself as I tend to do with most things. But it, it, it was reading a lot of fine print because like I said, I was really worried about something happening. So I made sure to read like all of the contracts very closely, make sure that I had, you know, creative control and stuff like that. So in terms of creative control, what you said about the site sort of continuing the form that it is, is that all essentially in writing in, in that contract? It, it was like a basically a broad verbal agreement. Like everybody that I've dealt with has been really personable. Like there's really seems like there's no animosity throughout the whole thing. It's really just like, hey, we're really interested in building our portfolio. Um, we don't have any kind of content like this. You know, it kind of fills a fills a void in our, our portfolio. And since it's successful, we don't want to touch it. We don't want to do anything with it. Mm. We just want to have it. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, that makes sense. They're like, this seems like a thing that we should have, please. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, it's really interesting just to hear sort of how that all works. Because again, it, it's not something that you're involved with or, or you're speaking to someone who's involved with every day. So uh no thank you thank you for that. i was just really curious that's why yeah no same i mean on, honestly yeah you hear about these things and it's like i don't know how this stuff works i mean <laughs> i'm a teacher you know like <laughs> no one's buying my stuff out. <laughs> that was the crazy part for me too is i have never been through anything even remotely similar to that so i was just doing my best to make sure i you know crossed all my t's and yeah it's made out- sure it made sense yeah it sounds like they've been very welcoming to you i mean it must be nice too. like like i don't know ign has such a huge team right like that's just such a big team too involved there and i'm sure that you've been able to get some nice resources too from that actually that's what i'm wondering like how are you guys integrating together or, or what is your plans for the future <laughs> <laughs> so far um they've been just really understanding with like Hey, we're really interested in how this site works and, you know, how you've built this functionality and kind of what we can do on our platforms to, you know, reach a similar audience um, and then have kind of agreed to like, hey, since how long the beat's doing well, 
we're going to kind of just continue that momentum and let you keep working on it as you're working on it because it's working. Um, and then on their side, I'm kind of, um, I'm actually on the, the DevOps team. So I'm making sure like the infrastructure is, is working for IGN and some of their other sites, which also gives me the power behind Holland to beat to make sure everything is, is secured there and looking good. And then, then I'm, I'm also like interfacing with like their design team and kind of working on, you know, things that may come out, may or may not come out on IGN.com itself. That's pretty cool. I mean, and yeah. yeah, I guess they're having the philosophy of like, if it ain't broke, right? <laughs> kind of thing. Um, they broke, yeah. don't fix it. Yeah, that's cool. And so you're getting to have, I mean, yeah, that must be neat too on a site that freaking big. I mean, I'm sure you'll learn techniques and things that'll help even with the site here too, right? Like, And it's a whole different process because... I'm so used to, I would code a page live sometimes. I would, you know, if I knew it's going to work, I'd just code it and save it and it would just be live. Whereas now I got to write the code and put it out on like a testing suite, make sure it all works, throw a QA team at it, and then I can release it. So you'll notice now on the site, if you follow the feedback that like updates will come in waves instead of usually how I would just, I'd finish something and I'd just release it right away. Now it'll be like a once a week or every other week I'll release like a bunch of stuff at once. It's kind of being able to see how a, a, the process is supposed to work in a professional world, yeah. which has been a, yep. a learning curve for me. Uh, I can imagine. I, I know that feeling. <laughs> you know, I, It's like with art too. Like, I don't know, you know, for theater directing, you know, you start doing it and you're doing it on your own first and you're just doing everything willy-nilly, how it works for you, right? And then you enter into a professional yep. world and you're like, oh, there's like actual steps for how this is supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, some of them make sense and some of them don't yeah <laughs> that's probably one thing actually in terms of that so you, i know you worked at the bank before was that in sort of a similar field of those skills that you used to build the site ones that you'd sort of brought from your professional life or is that something that was um self-taught a, a, a hobby of yours in in spare time if that makes sense as a question yeah it's always been more of a hobby for me I've always just been really into the web. I grew up with the web. Like the first website I ever went to was Nintendo.com in the second grade. And ironically, one of the next was IGN, you know, which is another reason why it was kind of attractive to me because I've been obsessed with game my entire life. So to somehow brute force my way into <laughs> the gaming industry is incredible to me. But yeah, yeah. you know, I, I also made um, a cameo fan, fan site. Um, I had a Silicon Knights fan site. I had a bunch of sites that I just made because I really loved web development and I, I'm just fascinated with the internet. That's awesome. Nice. Is that Cameo the Xbox launch game, you mean? It is, yeah. I know what you're talking uh, about. I got that, I, I that blue and purple thing right in my head there. I'm like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that box art is like seared into my brain. I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was obsessed with Rare growing up. So I made a few rare fan sites as well. Yeah, I mean, you really have brute force to in the gaming industry. I mean, I see it's it just feels like every day I see you know big like companies and like even developers talk about how long to be you know like they're just like, uh, like I don't know I was listening to some developer recently or something he was talking about like they're they're asking like how long is your game taking he's like oh just go check out how long to beat I'm sure it'll tell you how long it is. I was like oh my god like, <laughs> you know, like yeah the game was like just coming out I can't remember I, I should try to look up what it was but like it was like was a guess play what listen one. Because I feel like I saw that one as well. Maybe. Oh, I think it was where, the play. What? Listen. Yeah, got, yeah. Where it's got Mike Bittle on it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was on that there one. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, and I just thought that was. He just released a solid conspiracy, and he they were like, "Is it? It's a short game." And he said, "Yeah, I think it's like four hours on how long to beat." And it's like, 
Yeah, because I remember him saying something where he was like, I don't know how they already know that's how long it is. <laughs> he was like, but that is how long it is. And I'm like, oh my God. That's such a thing for me too, is I listen to a, quite a few gaming podcasts and I would always hear them kind of having a conversation, having a conversation, and then they start talking about the time and they would be like, kind of hint at the site, but not say it. I'm like, are they going to say it? Are they going to say it? Come on, say it, say it. And then like when they said it, like the first few times, it was like, yes, like I can't believe they said it. This is amazing. <laughs> and like now it's just that that's what you assume, right? If someone's talking about the, how long it takes, you assume this is the site they're using, you know, like it's just like. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, nice. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all of that lovely stuff. Mm. That was really interesting um, for all of us, I'm sure. And now let's continue. Oh my God. Can you tell it's a long weekend and I'm tired? My segues are terrible this week. <laughs> Why, don't we, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we move on to what you've beaten recently? And we could talk a little bit. We played a Monster Camp game um, where Ooh. Alex finally got himself a date in Monster <laughs> Camp. And I was very happy. <laughs> I got a date too. I don't know how because I... I... <laughs> Let's set the record straight. We got you a date because you turned up halfway through the game. Actually, so <laughs> well, like maybe... fair, it was like after the first uh, encounter already. Yeah, I don't care. I'm taking credit. Randy, did you get a date? I can't even remember now. It was like two days ago. I could not secure a date. No, mm. <laughs> I think I screwed up two of the big ones, and that kind of made it impossible for me. Monster Camp is a cruel what mistress. You... <laughs> it is. What What did you think of your inaugural camp experience, Randy? I liked it. I really liked the the art style. I liked the music. I think the writing's really clever. And it, it is something I wouldn't normally play, so I really enjoyed my time with it. Nice. Speaking um, of games you'd normally play, <laughs> <laughs> what are the games you beat? <laughs> that was a pretty good segue, right? Okay, yeah. Redeemed <laughs> Um, so actually before this podcast I was listening to you talk about your time with Resident Evil Village and I love that game I think it's brilliant like in my opinion it's the probably the best Resident Evil game like I found that the setting you know pretty fascinating I think the gameplay loop is really good I mean they're always keeping you going doing unique things Um, it, it kind of felt like sometimes it was the the best of Resident Evil like we took a bunch of different pieces of Resident Evil and put it all into one game. Um, you know, you've got like a, <laughs> a more action-oriented section. You got more of a stealth section. You know, a lot of different variants in the gameplay. I loved it. Yeah, it kind of felt like, in, in, in a good way, like you're saying, it sort of felt like people who grew up playing all these Resident Evils are now developing Resident Evil. <laughs> and they're like, these are all the things we love about it and like put them all in the game. And yeah, like it almost feels to me like potentially the most replayable of them in the sense that it's just like, I don't know, it, it has such a good pacing to it. Like I, I did love Seven, but I also am not sure if Seven feels as replayable because Seven was such like, you know, a tense, a, kind of a slower experience in that way. Whereas like, yeah, Resident Evil Village is like, let's go to fucking town. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I loved Seven as well. I'm obsessed with first-person games. If you go on my How Long to Beat profile, my tagline is first-person fanatic. <laughs> so when they went into first-person perspective for Seven, I was like already sold on it. And, you know, I thought like it was so creepy and eerie. And it it's a really good Resident Evil game, probably my second favorite one. But to me, Eight takes all of it, improves on it. And 
also the pacing is just perfect. Like you, you're never bored. It's always interesting. And they also introduced new mechanics that weren't in other Resident Evil games that, that makes sense. And then they're entertaining. Oh, big time. And you know, there wasn't a single quick time event in sight. So that to me makes it a slight improvement over Resident Evil 4. <laughs> I just, <laughs> you have to hand it to them. Oh yeah. He loses his hands a lot. Anyway, uh, do you, this is another little segue, but uh, remember the days of quick time events? That was a huge thing. I still <laughs> hate in games when I'm just like watching a cutscene and go, oh God, no. <laughs> yeah. What I do now is I always look in the accessibility to see if there's an option to toggle just holding the button when they make you mash it. Like any of those sequences where I can just get through it easy, I'd rather do that. 100%. 1,010%. I just ugh, I can't handle button mashing. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm curious about the other one you beat too, because this is one that I railed against a little bit. But I'm curious on your thoughts on uh, Destroy All Humans yeah. remake. <laughs> so yeah, I also played Destroy All Humans remake recently. Um, I I actually only played it because it was on Game Pass, um, and I did play it when it originally released, and I was like, hey, I'll revisit this and see how it is. Um, I enjoyed my time with it, just because I feel like they don't really make games like that anymore. It's like a very mm of that era type of game so it was kind of fun just to go through it and you know they they updated it so that it looks decent and it's nothing that i would rave about i guess but i think i gave it like a seven on mm. my how long to beat rating um it was just something to do over a weekend yeah i'd agree with that someone left a very honestly respectful comment on youtube on that episode it was so funny it was a comment where i was like like the person was just like um i can't remember exactly what it says but it was like good pass i don't I agree with like disagree disagree with destroy yeah. all humans but respect your opinion i was like thank you so if you're listening <laughs> thanks that's um here's another sort of you know counterbalance to that but i would kind of agree with you even when i was playing it it felt to me like a six seven game where i was like it's not that bad but i just i was in a bad mood that day i think <laughs> yeah speaking of counterbalances just very in fact no sorry you had something more to say on this before we move on crack on oh, i was just gonna say i'm like you know some of the dialogue is pretty cringy it's just <laughs> it, it wasn't that the the voice actors did a bad job just the writing itself is just like all right let's just move on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. sometimes you're like oh my god okay come on come on let's go um yeah yeah every once in a while i was just trying to like kind of skip through because it just felt very much like the dialogue was of that era you know um but i don't know it was fine anyway rick why don't you go ahead you had something you wanted to add it's not on the agenda, but very briefly, speaking of games that are of their era and counterbalancing, I want some support for Narita Boy, Randy, if you can <laughs> take your mind back about a month when you played that. <laughs> I played so many games, it's hard to remember. But yeah, I, I know that I enjoyed that game. Um, I mean, I think the aesthetic hmm. is great. I mean, I love the aesthetic of that game. I, I think the weakness of it was the combat um, and the the story. You know, it was intriguing, but I don't know that that I like I don't even remember it that well like if that tells you anything but still overall I really enjoyed my time with that game that's fair I mean that'll do for me that's that actually that actually that'll do for me too because I I agree like aesthetically I did think the game was really pretty I kind of want to I will admit I sort of want to like boot it up again on my new tv just to see what it looks like in like you know 4k now I'm like I wonder if it probably look even prettier um but yeah yeah combat wise I don't know but anyway thanks for and the music's brilliant as well yeah I did like the music a lot Music's amazing. Yeah, 100%. Why don't we move on then to what you've retired recently, which, uh, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> there's a mainstream and then there's a, exactly the opposite of mainstream. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, the, my last couple of retirements, one of them was Marvel Avengers. And it's 
probably not for the reason you would expect. Mm. Um, I actually, I was playing the game through PS Now, and I was playing with an Xbox controller. And it's not until about an hour into that game where suddenly you have to use the touchpad. Well, unless you have a PS4 controller, you cannot <sighs> proceed in that game. So I just straight up had to retire it for that reason. So that's why I put it on here, because it's just kind of like an interesting anecdote about how I was actually kind of enjoying it at that point as just like a simple story beat-em-up game, um, but I literally could not continue. And the uh, the other shameful title on this list is Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse. And let me tell you, this game is terrible. <laughs> it is absolutely awful. It's, it's kind of like a top-down-ish. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a shooter, multi-directional shooter with like no variety in enemies it's literally just llamas that run at you um there's a few different weapon types but it, it's overall just bad it, i think it's a roguelike technically um because like if you die you go all the way back and you kind of build up some some things but i don't recommend it to anybody yeah it, it looks like a cookie cutter sort of twin stick zombie shooter but just with llamas instead of zombies that's exactly it oh there you go i will give them what this only the Go credit on. that their title is wonderful, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That was what drew me in. I'm like, I just got to see what this is. It was a Games with Gold game, so uh, I didn't lose any money on it. Yeah, I mean, might as well at that point, right? Nice. Wow. Yeah, I, you would find generally my retired list is probably games that I didn't pay for, because if I have a weird guilt, if I pay for a game, I'm like, I'm going to beat this thing. <laughs> I, I got to get my money's worth. Yeah. I'm a little bit like that too, to be honest. Sometimes I, I, I'm I'm kind of like trying to get myself out of that a little bit, but I don't know what it. You know, I know like when you put money on it, and you're like, it's that sunk cost fallacy, right? You're like, but I paid for it. I must beat it. It's like, well, you're wasting more of your life, but I <laughs> <Exactly>. must. <laughs> yeah, it's just good, like getting over the fact that like your time is more valuable, even though you don't see it come in and out, sort of thing. For me, yeah. anyway, in terms of in terms of that stuff. So why don't we move on then to what we're playing? And I just want to, before we <laughs> jump full on into this, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Keith Webb. So last week we talked about Go Go Coco Polo 3D and Keith emailed us, which was awesome. And this dude has a great sense of humor. So I'm going to apologize to you right now, Keith, for calling you Keith Weeb. I know your name was so close, but he had a great sense of humor. I got, we got this wonderful email from him. It's a message from Keith Weeb, <laughs> which was really great. And he confirmed for us that, in fact, the name of that game he straight up wanted it to sound like a badly translated um japanese game and so i will admit i was a hundred percent fooled by him he did a great job um so the, the rest of us bought it because it's really it's cheap on the 3ds it's like eight bucks can, uh, cad at least so it's probably cheaper if you're in the states um and started playing it yeah, and it first, six bucks on the u.s the u.s one yeah um, and personally, I'm having a great time. Um, it is a unique little game. Like, I have not quite played anything like this before. Um, so, Keith, if you're listening again, we'd love to have you on sometime. <laughs> Talk about your game. <laughs> That's an official call out there. <laughs> Randy C isn't even, like, cold from him leaving and we're already, like, proposition. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> Shocking. That's how Honestly. these podcasts work, man. You know, we got to keep the engagement going. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm um, paying you guys good money to do this. You got to drive traffic. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got to oh, think about the dear, sponsor. Paolo, you... oh. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> what have you thought about that one, Palo? Because I know you bought it as well. 
Oh, I haven't started it because I'm on homework hill right now. Right. I will start it after I finished my homework for today. So uh, hopefully I have uh, something to say on the next episode. Hopefully. We'll talk more next That's episode. Because we have a we have a big yeah. episode this week. <laughs> We absolutely do. Um, but if we if we stick on what we're playing, do you want to do you want to tell us what you have been playing about Pala? So I, I don't know about everyone else. I'm curious to hear about Pitcross. Believe it or not, the running game oh, continues. Believe it or not, I... <laughs> the the Pitcross frenzy continues. goddammit. So I I actually finished because uh, E3 the other day because I pretty much like use it to not grab the cell phone while I'm in class. The thing I didn't like about how they're managing like this E E6 and E7 is very frustrating because they are reusing some of the um, puzzles from like the normal Picross mode and like redoing the puzzle but in the Mega Picross mode. So in one hand it's like, okay, I kind of like, I'm familiar with this picture that I'm trying to uncover, but it's like, I am not doing anything new. and it started getting repetitive when I was like going through the pictures. It's but through the macros, sorry. It seems like in Pictures E7 they are reusing less of the puzzles, but it is still like noticeable. That's, uh, that's too bad. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I I wasn't a fan of that because there it's it's 150 puzzles uh, on pictures and they reuse I don't know a good chunk of them for uh, the macro section. So, mm. it is what it is. It is what it is. On the other hand, I finished one route in Beverly Lovers. Lido's route was was a thing. And I'm pretty sure, like, neither of you are, like, gonna play the game. Like, <laughs> no, not like I'm not like how you play I don't know, Randy, no, are you going to play it, Diabolical it's also like for <laughs> Maybe the autumn of 2022, we'll see. I mean, it is for a very specific, like, uh, subsection of the fandom of the Otome games, because of the, the overall topic. So it's, like, even nature than the niche Otome genre. <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> so what, for, what, in the first two routes, it was like, okay, the story is, like, kind of progressing, but I, I'm not getting, like, any answers. And I like to refer it's like, oh yeah, uh, what was the first time I was saying? Uh, Dewey. Uh, what happened was that pretty much, like, uh, she was selected as a sacrificial bride, uh, and sent intentionally to the House of Vampires. <laughs> and it seems like the church is planning something or expecting something to happen. I am, like, not quite sure what the plan is, but what I... Hair was like pretty dumb, especially because I'm like, oh no, if if they feel closer to our kind or something, maybe they'll attack us less. And it's like, have you ever seen a goddamn vampire? <laughs> it's not gonna work. It's like compassion. What is it? Is it tasty? <laughs> Do you drink it? I don't know. So um, this game's not that different from Resident Evil Village, then. <laughs> it's a lot of sexy vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember the step on me like meme that I sent you the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, uh, you was sent to be a sacrificial bride. And it seems they have sent other sacrificial brides before. But she's like the, the one that has been the closest to awaken as a vampire instead of like just dying or something. 
And the extra bombshell is that she has, for some reason, already died and has like the heart of the previous Lord's daughter or something like that. Like she has a vampire heart already. It's like oh, that made more sense. Okay, vampire uh, heart. <laughs> so so the other thing is that it ended up like just bringing more answers. No, more questions that the ones they answer in this route. So I'm like, if there's well, anything I've learned about, gonna it. Start... oh sorry, I was gonna say, if there's anything I've Go learned ahead. about Atome games, it's that they have a lot of plot. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's <laughs> all they've got technically. Yeah, but I also be a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much. So I'm now starting these uh, other guys that is uh, Reggie who. Seem polite, but because of the sprites of the game, it's like, you know, I cannot don't trust you, uh, dude. And it was tried. Like, <laughs> I'll probably talk about that probably like more like next chapter of the podcast because, oh boy. Okay, so now <laughs> I have. Finally. A... Oh yeah, yeah, finally, yeah. What what is a bingo run? Tell me, what is this? <laughs> Oh, that was like a lot of fun. So my boyfriend and I like competed in a Breath of the Wild bingo. And what a bingo run is, is that at least for Breath of the Wild, like you arrive to a certain point of the game that is like pretty much after getting the paraglider, not grabbing anything extra along the way. And then you generate a bingo card that it can be like a short bingo card, a normal bingo card or a long bingo card, depending on the available time you have. And then you try to complete objectives uh, in the bingo card hmm. before the other person does. So it is like a nice way like to see like who is either more familiar with the game, like where everything is, or who is more familiar on how to navigate faster the game. It's kind of cool. Um, it was a closer match than I thought, because I I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I was like, oh, yeah, I only need to do this. And then I I realized that the objective I was supposed to do to finish the card was another objective. And then I saw my boyfriend, like, checking, like, the second to last objective he needed to win. And he was like, okay, I'm counting that he will take time to get there. But if I get anything wrong in this place, I am fucking dead. And the last objective I had to do was getting a piece of the sword armor. And I had to... Uh, pretty much go like to Sora something, go through all the silence like cutscenes while you are getting there. And he's like cheering you on. I'm like, Sidon, thank you very much, but shut up. I need to keep running. <laughs> and I was just bottom matching through the entire dialogue uh, nice. with the, with the character that gives you the thing. <laughs> so you're like, give me, give me, give me. Thing just before my yeah, nice. I finished my run just before my boyfriend got the um. It was a, another piece of armor he needed. Mm. <laughs> it was intense. It lasted like seven hours. Damn. Uh, we had to like split it into two sessions. That's. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's. I feel like that speaks to the quality of the underlying game as well that you can set up a challenge thing like that. And having played it twice through now, right? Um, or one and a half times because you're doing like the Korra run, aren't you? Because yeah. you're on that golden poop. But like, um, after all of that, enough, it seems be... it's an actual like a charm thing that it is a uh, um in Japan. I can't remember the name of it. I'm gonna like research it for the next chapter of the podcast. But 
what are have you play, been playing, Alex? Oh yes, I've been playing lots of stuff. Uh, not a lot of like Halo Four. Um, still playing it with my partner. We're like almost at the end there. Um, I started playing Tetris Ninety Nine again because we talked about Tetris last week. Yeah. <laughs> God, I've been getting into the flow studio with that game. That game is so good. I've won a couple. I've gotten in the top, you know, three many times now, but I sometimes I just like I've only won like two since I picked it up again. So like I'm I'm pretty good at it, which is nice. Um, but yeah, God, it's a hard game, but I love it so much. Like I mentioned, the Go Go Coco Polo 3D playing that. I've I'm playing through the cat one right now, and I've got about like I think to the second like world sort of thing. There's like three characters, and you can play through them. It, it, I, I I'll save some of my talk for that for next week, so we could talk even more in depth. But yeah, just explaining how that game works is so it's fascinating. It is very much a unique game, which is fun. <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement. Unique game, fun. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's better than uh, it's better than Randy's for destroy all humans. It was something to do for the weekend. <laughs> 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 something to do for me I know right but I'm also playing I started Jack and uh, Daxter the precursor legacy on the Vita because I never um, I never played any of those mascot games like I didn't have a Playstation 2 I had a GameCube so I missed all of them um, you know like the Ratchet and Clanks the Spyro the Crash Bandicoot um, Sly Cooper like all of those games I just sort of missed and I know that Naughty Dog developed this so I'm like I'm kind of curious to see what it's like and so far I'm really enjoying it Um it, look, it definitely is a bit janky. You know, it's an old PS2 game. <laughs> You're also playing the Vita port, which is like yeah. the worst way to play that game. Is it really? Um, yeah, absolutely. So the, the only the only classic collection that is awful on Vita is the Jack and Dax one. I think particularly the second game is really? bad. Okay. Apparently so, yeah. But like Sly Cooper, play those on Vita. They're amazing. Ratchet and Clank, great yeah. ports on Vita. Play those there too. God of War, the first two are great. But if, if you can play on, on PC or something, especially for three, because Jack and Daxter 3 is a phenomenal game. I mean, the first is it? Is good okay. as well. But, um, yeah. Well, then Sorry, maybe I'll just I'm... play the first one. That's good to know. I'll just play the first one on it. Um, it's something that I find interesting. And like, I wanted to sort of like, <laughs> I want to talk about camera controls. <laughs> um, because there's a sort of, now, obviously, I have not researched this. And so this is completely conjecture. But as I'm looking at how, games were thinking about camera in the early 3d era and like how you would move the camera around there's this lot of like what I, we sort of call them like inverted controls now right where like you push up and the camera goes down um and yeah the thing is though with that and like i was thinking about it i'm like why is this happen and like part of me realizes that it's like if you imagine having a camera on a tripod like and it's best if you yeah. visualize it right yeah and if you're holding say handles it's like if you were to aim the camera the way to aim the camera is by lifting the camera up right if you want to look down you lift the camera up to look down if you want to look to the left you move the camera to the right to look to the left right and it's like yes yeah, like flight sim controls moved onto a onto a 3d camera yeah but like that just isn't the way that most people prefer to use it myself well, yeah, that's maybe. a really really interesting way to think of it i've never thought of it that way well right that makes perfect sense yeah like i can imagine why a developer would think of this they're like well the camera is an external thing right you're using the camera so you should be using it like it's a machine you should be moving it um the way you would move a machine so like they're thinking of the thumbstick as an external device 
And that actually, I, I think that actually logically makes sense, right? Like, I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah, if I was thinking about how would I put a camera into a game, that's how I'd think about it. But maybe because I've grown up playing these games, I think of the thumbstick more as like, like, for instance, I'm playing Mass Effect right now. And I can't even tell you in Mass Effect 2 how the camera works because it works. You know what I mean, like, I don't notice when I'm moving it. It's just a part of the world. And like... I, Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I was struggling to think about how, like how to really define this, but it's like I think the camera needs to be part of the character in some way, you know, like in a, especially in these third person things wherein you should just be able to seamlessly move it around. And that requires serious finesse. And like I think games have gotten so good at it now. But yeah, I don't know. It's something to think about. I, I'd love for people, you know, think about this a little bit when they play old games, be like, how are they thinking about the camera, right? Like, what was the game developer's thoughts on the camera at the time? And I, I suspect that when they were developing this game, they were thinking of it as an external device, right? It is a thing that exists beyond the character. Anyway, that's my little tangent. <laughs> and if you disagree or you agree, if you have any thoughts, let us know in the comments down below. Why don't you like and subscribe while you touch those buttons? <laughs> So, well, the people that are listening to the podcast, I, I can't really like see the what I was doing, but I was like trying to 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 like think of what Alex was saying, and like pretty much like I don't even like realize how I move the camera until I get to that one game that it does the opposite of what I'm used to. And I think like the one I'm used to is like the inverted camera controls that are like the, the ones you were talking about of uh, you using like the camera as a machine. So it kind of just blew my mind there. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> Same here. The, the alternate, the normal controls, it, it's more like you're moving the, the viewing window rather than the physical thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's probably a conversation to be had. Maybe we save this for a topic another time where maybe that's got something to do with how game sensors developed, how we think of the game, how we think of ourselves in relation to the black mirror that we're working within and, and the window into the world that we've got. Yeah. Um, well, it's a question too hmm. of, are you, are you, are you layering on real world camera properties to your game? Right. Which Jack and Daxter, I feel does. It's like, this is like a real camera. This is what we're trying to imitate. Um, or do you allow it to kind of go all over the place? Right. Can you lift your camera up and look, above your character can you move it you know like there's all these different elements that go into it but yeah i would assume so like i was saying if you grew up with early 3d games you might be in love with inverted controls that might be how you do it because you have been like brought on to that and you're like that's how i play games right um and i know i know people who play games like they're like no i need my controls inverted that's how i understand cameras so anyway this could be a topic we talk about later (laughs) think about games i'm also you're gonna hear a lot more random game design stuff probably in the next while because i've been doing like heavy dives into like game design and like reading all the boss fight books and like game design books so (laughs) i'll workshop my ideas glad to know this one worked (laughs) Uh, but anyway jack and daxter it's fun that's about it um (laughs) mass effect legendary edition I am having a great time, and this will be a good segue. We'll, we'll jump into what you're playing, Randy. Um, I, I've already beaten Mass Effect 1, so I'll talk about that a little more next week. Um, I'm into Mass Effect 2 right now, and I, I, okay, I love Mass Effect 1. I love it to death. Holy mother of God, Mass Effect 2 is so much better than Mass Effect 1. <laughs> like, oh my God. I, I started playing it, and I was like, this combat is good. Um, the powers are fun. The dialogue is great. The like Paragon and Renegade stuff is more like, it's more interesting. Like I'm choosing, you know, I'm more in the gray in this one than I was in the first one. Um, The worlds are incredible. The characters are, I'm just like, 
shit they improved a lot in the second one and it is like night and freaking day uh, i'm curious to hear what you think because i think randy you're still on the first one right yeah i'm about five hours in the first game and i'm having a good time with it um i don't have a ton of nostalgia for it i did play through the trilogy like as it released back in the day um but like like you said i can already tell that mass effect 2 is going to be a way better experience than mass effect 1 i think they did a good job updating the visuals and making it look crisp and you know it it doesn't look bad that's for sure Mm -hmm. Um, but like the combat itself is just the shooting doesn't feel horrible but everything else around it i'm struggling to enjoy like the the abilities are like the the way you have to hold buttons to use them and stuff it doesn't even make sense like how you know how did they think this was a good idea the first time around right it's very like knights of the old republicish you know like it's like older you could sort of feel the transition happening, right? Um, that thing with yeah. Mass Effect 2 that's so excellent is that like three of your buttons are just dedicated mapped ability buttons. And the cooldown is just a visual indicator right on your reticle. So it's like, it's just awesome. Like it's like your abilities, the only cooldown is just like that thing. And so like just playing now, I feel like I'm never opening menus when I'm playing uh, in combat. And I'm like, this is probably how this is meant to be played, you know? Yeah, I think they took a lot of cues from the games that were successful around that time. And like, you know, Mass Effect was their first step and they did a good job, you know, especially with the story and stuff like that. And I think by the time the second game came around, some other titles in between had released and really like showed what they could do with that combat system. And then it comes together more. 100%, 100%. And it's funny, like, you know, I played this a few uh, weeks or maybe a month ago now, who knows. But Outriders is like honestly feels like the extension of mass effects gameplay like i was like oh this game is mass effect 3 like i was like this is interesting without the good story so ah we'll see but you know (laughs) uh that is really ironic that you said that because i thought the exact same thing when i played through outriders (laughs) like the gameplay itself reminded me of mass effect 3 and i was just i just wanted so much more out of the story and I kind of ended up skipping dialogue halfway through because I just didn't care about it anymore. A hundred percent. I was like, if that had good game, if that had a good story, that game would have been awesome. Like, yeah, truly awesome. But yeah. Um, what else are you playing this week, Randy? Yeah, so I've kind of been bouncing between a few games because, like I said, I played through Resident Evil Village recently, and very rarely do I enjoy a game so much that I immediately want to play it again. But kind of like you touched on last podcast, like they do a really good job of once you beat the game saying like, Hey, you did all these challenges, but here's some more stuff that you could do if you played again. <laughs> and it kind of entices you to go back and play. Um, so I'm, I'm right now I'm doing like a speed run to see if I can get in the under three hours um, and do some of the challenges in there with that. And then outside of resident evil, I'm playing this really interesting um, indie game. It's called Darkwood, and it's a survival horror game in a top-down perspective and it's like a really slow deliberate game kind of has a combat feel of like a miami hotline you know where it's like a really brutal graphic you know kind of kind of good pixel art um for the perspective but you know you you kind of you're in this infested area where there's something going on and you start with like a home and each day you can venture out and there's a night day night cycle um, so you kind of have to plot what you want to do for that day. So you'll you'll kind of sneak out and like today I'm going to gather supplies, um, you know, maybe so that I can sell them to a vendor that shows up every morning um, and kind of 
make sure you got to make sure your um, your base is secured. So you'll go out, gather supplies, kind of explore the surrounding area. You got to get back before dark because once dark hits, you know there's these things out in the wild that are going to to come for you, and they're also going to try to penetrate your base. So you rush back to your base at night, um, and you you know you've got your windows barricaded up. Maybe you have to slide a dresser in front of like a, a hole in the wall. Um, it's just really it's something I've never kind of played before. Like it's, like I said, it's really deliberate. Um, it's one of those games too, where they just drop you in and they don't explain anything. You kind of have to just figure it out by using the natural environment to like tell the story. Super interesting. That does sound neat. That's it's hmm. so funny. I was looking, I saw the box art there and I was like, that's the game that I think I I always see it. It's like always on like sale at times. And I'm like, that looks neat. <laughs> you know, like never, never hmm. made the plunge. Yeah, I just happened to see it on the store one time, and I'm a huge survival horror fan. So I looked up some like YouTube videos, and people were saying like how it was just like absolutely brilliant and like one of the best survival games um, ever made. So I don't know that I would say that, um, but I'm certainly intrigued by it. I'm only maybe four hours in, which is uh, probably like seven or eight days in the in-game time, and I'm I'm definitely going to keep playing it. I actually don't know how long it is, ironically. <laughs> but I, I, it's a game that I don't want to know. I just want to see how far I can get and push through. Yeah. Nice. And I'm curious about so the multiplayer one you're playing. Yeah. So EA just released a new multiplayer game. It's called Knockout City. And it's basically a dodgeball game in kind of an online competitive sense. Um, it's really easy to get, into, get into. You know, the controls are super basic. You've got... You know, the round starts, and I think it's three versus three. I've only played a couple hours of it so far. But, you know, there's there's dodgeballs placed around the map. You grab them, and you try to hit the other team, and you've got some abilities. Like, if you do a, a spin move and then throw it, it'll kind of hook it around. If you, you can do a flip, and if you do a flip and throw it, it'll kind of go up into the air and come down on them. Um, and then the first team that gets to 10 points by knocking out um, 10 players wins the game. Um, and then there's three rounds. Yeah, I think you have to win two out of three rounds. But it's just kind of a lighthearted, fun game. Um, I'm playing it. I don't know that it's going to have long legs and like, you know, blow up on Twitch or anything. But it's definitely a fun little distraction and part of Game Pass too. So it's on. Oh yeah, it's on Game Pass. Yeah, I might check it out at some point then. Nice, uh, Rick. Why don't you uh, wrap us up for this segment here? What are you playing? Yeah, and, and as a little segue, I was actually going to try Knockout City. Um, downloaded it. Realized they wanted me to to set up an origin launcher and account and everything, and I just deleted it. <laughs> Not be bothered to set it up for a free weekend demo. Um, so what I have been playing um, in terms of multiplayer instead uh, is Call of Duty Cold War. Uh, at the moment, they've got like an '80s action hero event, so um, you can, although I'm, I'm choosing not to, um, buy skins of Rambo and John McClane from Die Hard, uh, and they've got various. Go on, you, you stop me. Can Alex. we just talk about? Hold on, the fact that Rambo Rambo has turned like I uh, this okay. This is going to be a millisecond <laughs> tangent, but the first Rambo is about like the PTSD of Vietnam or survivors, and then suddenly it turns into kill everyone movies, and I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is going on, America? Anyway, keep going. <laughs> I, I I love that. There's, um, there's a Black Mirror episode called Fifty Million Credits where it's it's a similar. Similar thing to that arc, I suppose, in the way where the guy's like trying to break the system ends up um, like getting close, and then they commoditize it, and like it becomes it anyway. Oh go yeah, watch I remember Netflix. that. Yeah, it's mm. fucking amazing. Some of the best storytelling I've ever seen anything ever. Anyway, um, 
on a lighter note, they've got um, like action themed game mode. So the one that's currently running is Die Hard Point, which is <laughs> a variant on the normal Hard Point game mode. Um, it's really good. It, it's Call of Duty. You know if you like it or you don't. Um, I've had a really good time with it with multiplayer uh, dipping in and out. Obviously, it's a Tome, so I've been playing some more Psychedelica, uh, which I know you finished, Alex. I think you're playing alongside Paola. Um, I'm on the second chapter. I'm actually sort of interested in the story now. And this is one of the <laughs> this is one of the nice things about doing this month-long thing that we've done, because without it, I would have never in a million years even thought to play this game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <a bit narrow. laughs> that laughs a little bit concerning there. <laughs> Yeah. Story of evil leather. <laughs> but um, I, it's an interesting window into something I wouldn't have ordinarily tried, is, is what I'm trying to get at. On the flip side, you say, oh, it's just Romeo and Juliet. I'm seeing all of the Romeo and Juliet things, like all the little the little breadcrumbs that they were dropping, like, oh, if only the two families could get along. Oh, that family really isn't so different from us after all. And, and I mean, it's not only that, obviously. Obviously, it's going to go to weird places, but, you know. It's the inspiration. <laughs> I have a lot like, to say about this you know, game next week. <laughs> the first part is like I remember like reading like the play. Like we have to like read the actual like um, script of the play, and I barely remember anything. So the the, the game just I I pretty much went uh, through it without the Romeo and Juliet bias. <laughs> so, yeah, but this game is like someone who read Romeo and Juliet in school and forgot everything except two warring families. Um, and that there's a priest in it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's not that. I mean, he's not even really a priest. I know he's not. That's weird, by the way. Anyway, let's just keep going. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a guy who lived in the church. Here's my orphan boy and his pet rabbit. Yeah, there's some Deal weird stuff it. going on there. But all right, let's <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and at least finish. There's like a, um, a, a happy-ish ending that you can seemingly get very early door. So I'll at least get that far. I don't know if you can get it, but you can try. Like, I know there are there are parts early on that seemed locked off for some reason, but maybe I'm just crazy. Who knows? I've I've got a guide that tells you the order to oh, get okay, them all. So. <laughs> all right, what else are you playing, boy? Good one. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm playing Go Go Coco Polo still. Um, I've, I've played like three more levels since we spoke last time. My opinion hasn't changed. I think it's good, but not great. Very unique, like you say. I've gone back also to Mirror's Edge Catalyst on the PS4. What I'm doing this time is just skipping all the story bollocks and, and playing the actual game, which is where the, the fun is. It does feel like a missed opportunity. As much as I enjoy it, I just don't think the open world was quite right. And I think it, it's telling that the most enjoyable sections of the game are the little time trials spread around the world where you have a defined start and end point and you have to plot a fast way to those places. And what, what I missed from the first game, which I'm planning to, to replay at some point in the near future too, is the curated area. And to an extent, they've done that in the open world because the open world's designed with certain routes and optimizations and things in mind. But they also give you a fucking grappling hook, which is, is very sort of oh, aesthetical. Oh, to the whole Late game, they do, yeah. Uh, and it allows you to skip some of the... Um, bridging sections that you would normally have to make a beeline towards whenever you wanted to sort of cross certain areas of the of the of the map. But I, I just missed the curated level structure. I feel like that's one of the things that made the original Mirror's Edge so brilliant, in spite of its awful combat. And the combat here isn't much better. It has to be said. It's one of the things that worked in Ghost Runner's favor. Uh, it's just something where 
first-person parkour can be made to work in an open world, but that doesn't really play to its strengths and, and what what the fun is in that kind of gameplay, at least for me personally, and based on the reception for most people, I think, in fairness. Um <laughs> But it, it it's still good. It's still an eight out of ten. The actual mechanics, once you get past the utter joke of a of a fucking skill tree, because apparently Faith can't remember how to do a one eighty degree turn until you unlock enough XP. <laughs> you don't have the roll for the first half hour. You can't roll in a parkour game. <laughs> Who thought that was? Stop myself now. I'm going to stop myself there. I'm actually a, a huge huge fan of mirror's edge i've played the first game through like over 15 times and i totally agree with you like i think catalyst is still an enjoyable game but because it was open world the it wasn't crafted quite as well and like those flow states that you would reach in the first game because it would just feel so good to be you know bouncing off walls leaping sliding like there's just in an open world you can't perfect all those paths and you hit like certain areas like you you like dread going to them because you know like oh this is just going to be awkward and I'm going to have to like climb and mount up and pull up every time because it's just a weird approach. But yeah, I I want them to make a third game so bad and just really perfect it, but they won't. I'd I'd like to think they might, but on the plus side, it it they've at least blazed that trail. So like, have you played any other sort of games that have come after it? So things like Ghost Runner immediately jumped to my mind. I haven't played Ghost Runner yet, but it's like at the top of my list of things I want to get soon. Yeah, I was going to say, if you liked Mirror's Edge, the first one, I think you'll absolutely love Ghost Runner. It's a little bit more punishing because obviously there's this combat, which it, I have to say it does far better than Mirror's Edge, even for all its flaws. But I think it, it, it takes those ideas and runs with it and creates something really cool. And they've announced there's a sequel coming. So yeah. happy days all around. Definitely. So yeah, that's... That's Mirror's Edge, the uh, the difficult second <laughs> album. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've played a bit more of Pokey Walker Soul Silver. I still haven't booted it yet. <laughs> so that's going on. And then two more. So the first of all of those is Hyperlight Drifter. Again, my thoughts haven't really changed much since we spoke about it last week. I think we spoke about it last week, didn't we? Yeah, did we? Yeah. Ah, who knows? I, we spoke about it. <laughs> it's all, all blurring. Anyway, I, I I'm almost certain we did. I like the visuals. I like the audio. I really like the audio. The game hasn't grabbed me and it's an easy come easy go situation because I got it for free on the Epic store. So um, once we've done recording this, actually, I'm planning to, to sort of give it another hour, give it a college try. And then I'll decide at that point whether I want to crack on or whether I'll whether I'll just call it quits. Because uh, as, as we mentioned from time to time on this project, we we are in the unenviable position of having way too many games to play. So I can always come back to it in a year or two and maybe it'll sink its teeth in and that's happened with games before for me and the last one and i've got thoughts about this so we're, we're going to get into it a little bit uh, is Scourgebringer, uh which recently got a vita port um it's also gone to ps4 um i'm waiting for my physical of that to arrive as well i've been fluctuating between a six out of ten and a nine out of ten for this game over the course of the past week um so i've, I've finished cosmic star heroin so this has been sort of my vita focus outside of psychedelica um as a roguelite, um, especially coming off the back of Hades, obviously it's 2D, much more limited mechanically and in terms of story, but then that feels like a focus. So it's much more punishing than Hades is, but mostly in a good way. Uh, the focus, I think, helps it um, in a way that I didn't necessarily feel for Hades. Every time I died, I just fuck, I want to try again. 
um, which is always a good thing. It, it's really what you need um, from a roguelike. What you also need is a good progression system, and that that's one area that this does fall short because it, it's a combination of things that don't feel particularly useful and things that you feel like you should have by default. And so that, that can be a bit of a frustrating thing running through. And it's a little bit bare bones in terms of the um, things that you'll pick up in the world. So you pick up new guns, uh, you pick up sort of bald stat boosts to your slashing and shooting um, attacks, and then various sort of um, reductions in reload time in um, your like special fury attack charge. But it, it, it feels thin in that respect. It's carried a little bit by the visuals, which are amazing, especially on Vita, having all those crunchy pixels up close. Uh, the audio work, as I mentioned when I started it a few weeks ago, is really lovely. My biggest problem, and and this really is, is, is knocking one to two points off the game just on its own, um, the, the way the combat works, you have three main forms of physical attack. You have your normal slash on square, uh, which you can either spam or, like we were saying, Randy, about accessibility options, there's an option in the menu that I turned on immediately just to hold that button to keep slash, slash, slashing. Um, you have a dash, which damages but provides zero invulnerability. And they're, they're very overt about that. It's like, um, if you're going to go in, you have to be careful going in. And then you have what's called a smash attack, which is like a, a crescent semicircle, like big slice from your sword, uh, can deflect bullets, uh, can stun enemies when they're winding up an attack and they have like visual cues for that. Um, the problem with it is twofold. First, there's just slightly too long of a delay between pressing the button and it happening. And because so many of the, the enemy strats revolve around you um, either stunning them with it in the, the small window before an attack or uh, deflecting their bullets, that that de- delay that doesn't feel right is a problem connected to that the hitbox or the the implementation is just enough off to feel broken uh because and this happened to me regularly you can smash the bullets back and be hit by them simultaneously so it's like the bullet gets just enough inside your guard to hit you and then the smash actually engages and then the bullet flies in the fucking opposite direction it just feels yeah it's gross it feels broken and this is a game where um more so than Hades, because Hades gives you quite a few ways to get that health back, and you start with a much bigger pool. Um, you start with 10 HP every run. Um, the progression system doesn't give you a way to boost that base. Uh, it's capped at 20 top, and outside of uh, very specific pickups and perks, you can't raise that number. Outside of very specific pickups and perks, you can't replenish that, which is a massive problem. Because that exacerbates the problem with the smash attack. Because those cheap hits add up very quickly. Um, on top of that, there, there's almost zero iframes when you take a hit. So you can lose like a quarter to half of your health in, in a matter of like one to two seconds um, in, in bad situations. So it, it's kind of frustrating. That does also sort of bleed into it feeling super satisfying when you get close. And as I, as I told you guys when we were recording, 15 minutes before we started, I got to the final boss, like the final, final boss. And uh, I paused the game and I put it down because if, I knew if I tried it, I would fail it and then I would start it again. And then we wouldn't have started on time. I mean, we didn't start on time anyway, but we would have been more off time. So <laughs> like, at the moment, it sat on an 8 out of 10. And that, that keeps going down and up depending on how well 
the smash is going or how badly it's fucking me over mainly if you have a vita i feel like it's a great swan song for that system with the caveat of obviously the buttons are a bit awkward um you can remap them into a way that's sort of doable without a grip the grip's ideal it's a tricky one to outright recommend, despite how much of a good time I've been having with it. I don't know. I'm so conflicted. I don't know how to leave that <laughs> off. It's tricky. Well, then you'll have to tell us next week when you beat it, if we should or I'll not. I'll have to tell you next week. Yeah, but it, it, it is good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Save me. Let's... That's the title of this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's save me. Let's, it is good. I let's think. get onto the topic. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Randy, you had a, a great topic for us. Do you want to tell us what's uh, what did you want us to discuss this week? Yeah, sure. I thought maybe we talk about storytelling in games. So, like, I believe video games kind of have the potential to be the greatest storytelling medium. Um, so, I I thought, um, are there any video games that really resonated with you or stuck with you for a long period of time because of the narrative? And, and I want to kick us immediately <laughs> off with Metroid or the Ram. What the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there you go. You're like, yeah, that got you in. You know, this is sort of now, I, okay, maybe this is partially because I'm playing it right now, but I also just think whenever I think about stories and game, Mass Effect has always been the one that stuck with me. Like that trilogy, it's like, you know, like the Telltale games get me sometimes too. Like the first Walking Dead one, oh, that's like seared into my brain. Um, that was just an excellent thing yeah. of storytelling. But the thing with the Mass Effect trilogy that always got me is that like, they were connected, you know, like those games were genuinely connected based on my choices. And yeah, sometimes it was like, it was little things, but like often it was just like, even in the second one, like you'll, uh, sometimes you'll hear like these radio snippets talking about a thing you did in the first game, like a small bonus mission that you did in the first game, not even the big stuff, right? Like even the small stuff has things in it. And the way that it connected all together, it made that universe feel alive. And it made me feel like, I was going on an actual journey with this character and with all of these characters and they change and they become different. And it's just like, it sticks with me, you know? And I know uh, some people don't love the ending of Mass Effect, but I played it with the extended ending that they changed and I, I liked it well enough. I mean, look, it ends about as well as Return of the Jedi ends, you know? Um, <laughs> it's one of those things. Trilogies are hard. Um, but yeah, that game for me is always just really stuck with me and i think it's because i was able to input choice into it right i was able to craft my story and i think that speaks to probably the, the sentiment behind the question the, the the agency that you can have in those narratives is powerful obviously it's, it's tricky and it requires a lot of work to to make that mean anything and I, I think it can be very tricky then when you're you'll sort of have that carrot dangled in front of you and ultimately, it doesn't come to fruition. I always think of the ending of The Last of Us, where it seems like you're going to have that important choice. And then it's just like, no, there's only one way to do this tough shit. But when, when it's done right, like you say, it's uh, it's really profound and powerful. Uh, I've got I've got a few ideas, but I'm quite curious um, for you, Paola, what, what came to mind for you? Because I see you're very story focused in what you play more generally. Yeah, because of that, I've been having like a, a lot of trouble, like trying to decide in just one. So I think I'm going to like... Uh, do a little puppery of stuff. Oh, I've, I've got four. Feel free. <laughs> oh, nice. So... Rick's always got a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I've been like a little bit more restless and I was like moving while the others were talking because I was grabbing like all the stuff. And uh, one of the first like really, really story focused games that I think I played was uh, Stainsgate. And it is a visual novel. 
And the way it is set up, like how you make your choices. Holy moly, getting the true ending of this thing is a fucking nightmare. Uh, because you don't have the, like the typical menu system that it's like, oh, select this choice or select this choice. A lot of the time you're like interacting with people where you're like cell phone and you have like small prompts to respond to. And you pretty much like unlock like entire like mini side stories that go along with the game. But also you need to collect what I would call like flags, five flags to get to the actual trending of the game and those are hidden. Five those are four, that is five. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. So for everyone listening at home, Paula's saying five flags. Her thumb's tucked in, she's holding up four. And I'm I'm just like, are you are you saying the right thing? Should I shut up? Or are you like signing the right thing and should I correct you now? <laughs> uh, it's okay. It was uh, five flags and it, it, I don't want to say that it was uh, a nightmare, but it was a nightmare because I am pretty sure like one of the versions has one one of the bugs like glitch for some reason. But also you are like faced with very more questions because uh, in a Stainscape you're like time traveling. And the way it's set up to time travel, like there's this, I'm going to say like, what was the name of the thing? It's like the microwave phone or something that you like send a message to the past and do something. But you actually get to see what the other branch kind of look like. So the way it's set up, it's kind of like a more question. Like, do I want to, do I want like the true ending? Because I have this main objective. But if I go after this objective, I'm going to undo this thing. And this thing might I have like real, like that much in consequences in, in a way. So that's one of the things I really like about uh, Stainsgate in a way. It's still like, I don't want to say that I have like questionable morality, but I really wanted to go like for the true ending and keep like the status quo of the world. Uh, on the you other You wanted to complete it? No. <laughs> Me completing visual novels? First of all, uh, so actually the game that made me buy a beta was Stainsgate Zero. Hmm. Uh, which is actually a prequel and a sequel to the original uh, Stainsgate. Because yeah, time, time travel. travel. <laughs> because time travel. And the way it was done, it was like the perfect sequel to a time travel or interquel to a time travel story. Uh, because Interquel, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it pretty much like uh, picked up like some of the things that were like just mentioned on the original game and did something with that and it was like amazing and finally um not finally not by a long shot <laughs> um the other game that left like quite an impact it was Persona Q because this is uh actually I played this one before playing the mainline Persona game because I didn't have a bit at the time uh, uh so Maybe if I ever played, I'll get uh, annoyed by the people, by the stuff that people said is kind of annoying that some of the characters were like reduced to one note or stuff like that. But the main story of the game, especially like getting to the ending, was something that really blew my mind because I was kind of like seeing like the the the, the foreshadowing, and I was like are they really gonna do this? And they did it. I was like, holy fuck. And it was amazing. Uh, it, like, even if the characters aren't, like, as well-rounded as 
they were like in their original games. I still enjoyed the game for what it was, both in gameplay and in, uh, the story, and like the new interactions between the cast of Persona 3 and Persona 4. Then I had to pick again from the Ace Attorney series because, obviously, and Ace Attorney 5 or uh, Dual Destinies, it has to be the one that left the impact, an impact the most. Especially with the, again, with the last chapter of the game, that it was like everything coming together and it was like, oh my god. And because we're on an Atlas role, like Persona 4 Golden and Gemini Tensei 4, Gemini Tensei 4 especially was like one of the games that um, really got me like in the, into like the more niche uh, kind of games. Because... Uh, before that, like, the only, like, RPGs that I really played were, like, Pokemon. So, like, uh, getting to these was, like, oh, this is what an RPG can really be. And, again, I'm replaying it, so I'm really curious to see, like, how um, my opinions change on that. And then there's, like, this little last uh, game that, uh, of course, I am going to mention. you really had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, no, this is great. You, you, what's the next one? Yeah. Oh, the, the last one. And I have to really think because I am an Atomic Game fanatic. I had to include one of those. <laughs> and the one that I decided to include, because it was the one that uh, stuck with me the most, was God Realize. Cafenchan there was really close, though. But God Realize, Carrion of Rebirth, uh, first of all, took what it uh, initially was... Or you could have thought it was like um, a blank slate sort of character and a certain trope and it pretty much turned it on its head because I was uh, the, it, the game later lead you on on one idea and it turned out it was like I'm trying not to spoil it but it, it was like it turned out there was like more to it than that okay. and even though so like oh go ahead <laughs> I was just gonna say, unsurprisingly, I think your trends for story is very much like, you know, novelesque large adventures tend to kind of get you drawn in, huh? Yeah, the crazier the plot goes, or like the the more like little details you sprinkle like and tie together, like in the end, uh, uh, that that pretty much like it's like popcorn to my brain, like. <laughs> it's like bring it, bring nice. it. Uh, so in the case of Realize, it was. Even though this, uh, each of the five routes are like built equal, like I feel like some of them like are better faced than others. I do feel like they did a great job like tying the uh, everything together with a nice little bow uh, at the end. And also, if I had to recommend a route, it, it would be like this um, Frankenstein's route because of how overall it was like really uh, well based and it had like the right amount of fluff because like some of the roads like really um stuck with the i want to say the drama eh, in some cases and or like really focus on a certain aspect of the game and pretty much left everything else out but yeah it was like it, this wasn't even like my first um otome game but it really stuck it's to just me like simply the best. <laughs> Better than all the rest. I would say anyone, anyone I've ever met. 
Thank you. I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, is that you, Palo? Sorry, go on. Uh, Rotover, you can go and break. Please take the microphone away from me. <laughs> Before I do, Randy, I wonder if you had any sort of games in mind when you were thinking about this as a topic. Yeah, I do. Um, I've got kind of one main game and then two honorable mentions. Um, but my oh, first George. one, my first one, I have a feeling that Rick is a, probably a game that you didn't enjoy, um, but it would be Soma. Has anyone played Soma? I, you're right, I did, and I didn't I have the I liked yeah. the story, I hated everything else. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's the thing for me with that game is, I mean, I do like, so it's fractional games, they also make Amnesia. And while I like the Amnesia games, to me, Soma is in a totally different category, and it's for its narrative. Because to me, like, so if you haven't played it, you know, the premise of the game is you play this guy that has been in a car accident, and he... You know, he suffers from like headaches and like amnesia, and um, he goes into this experimental treatment, and it basically um, he ends up transplanting his brain into a computer, and then he wakes up like I don't know if it's like a hundred or two hundred years later in in and you know he he just wakes up. You know, I'll try not to spoil too much, um, but since <laughs> Fractional kind of makes their games very mechanical, the world feels really realized, like. When you're interacting with machines, it's very mechanical. And like when you interact with computers, they have a whole operating system and and the whole world feels very real. Um, and that's a game where I don't think you even see another human being in the entire game, but um, the voice no, acting. Do. I, I, I feel like you do see one at least. With a, with a physical model? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I clip this bit out. It's right, right near oh, the really? end. You know the the woman on the um, on on the base where she asks you to like unplug her life support. Yeah, the arc. Am I misremembering? I feel like that was that was an actual like female woman. Uh, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's just such a funny way to say that. It's an actual. I'm not clipping this out. This is stated. It's an actual female woman. That's, man, okay. Now I gotta choose the titles oh, this week. God. <laughs> Although that might be confusing. <laughs> An actual female woman featuring. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, but you're saying keep going. Very rarely see anyone, if ever. Let's. Yeah, yeah, let's. So what I said, like the to me, I think the voice acting is really well done. Um, and like what really resonated with me is that the kind the game is basically about consciousness and what is consciousness, and throughout the game. Um, you're kind of like questioning who you are and what it means to be you and to have a physical body. You know, is a person their thoughts in their body or is the person just their thoughts? Um, and, the, you know, they put you in, in an in- interesting predicament where you have to make a decision. And although like it's shallow as in like getting different endings and, and stuff like that, um, I think it is quite thought provoking. And I often just for some reason, I think about that game and I think about I've played it several times through, but, you know, really, what does it mean to be a human, to have a consciousness? What what could AI be, um, you know, as technology advances? And I just think it asks really interesting questions, and it's not something that I feel like I experience in a lot of video games. Um, and just because that game is also in first-person perspective, like, you know, it feels really isolating, and it feels like you are there. Um, so, yeah, that's my number one. For some reason, that game I always just I think about it 
uh, quite a bit. Um, and then my honorable mentions would be Bioshock is one where when I played it at the time, you know, it really, it was like, wow, this is like a really well done thought out story with a genuinely interesting twist where you're, you're doing all these actions the entire time. And then you realize that you're being manipulated. And then it kind of makes you think about, okay, well, you know, I'm going through this as a video game and playing it as a video game. So I'm kind of just going about the motions as I should. But in reality, like this character is manipulating me. I'm like just kind of just going with the flow because that's what you do when you play a video game. You don't think about it. You just follow the point to point and go through it. And that was kind of like the first time where I was like, oh, yeah, like there, you know, there's more to this. Um, and then my last honorable mention is the first 40 minutes of Last of Us. Like when I think about storytelling and how movies mm. do it really well. I think the first 40 minutes of Last of Us is really good. Like it really pulls you in, sets up a narrative and like feels impactful right off the bat. Like that's one of the games where when I played the first 40 minutes, like, oh, I, I, I'm finishing this game. Like, yeah, you know, th- so you made me think a little bit actually about I have maybe one honorable mention too that is a little different, but like Alien Isolation for me, I don't really remember the story story but i remember the story that that gameplay created and like hiding the emergent that, story almost yeah hiding from that goddamn yeah. xenomorph holy shit <laughs> i was like man that was just like and, that scared the hell out of me the whole time and that's the same kind of gameplay where everything feels very mechanical like when you're interacting with a machine in that game it feels like it's a a computer from the eighties that you're trying to manipulate to, you know, do whatever you wanted to do. Oh, so good. Okay. Um, Rick, Regala. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Paula, did you have something? Oh uh, yeah. But I, I don't have the books here. So I almost forgot to mention it. So the layout of Zelda Skyward Sword, which is like one of the more story focused Zelda games. And I can already see, um, <laughs> you can already see Alex doing gestures and stuff. You I'm said Skyward Sword and I just looked straight over. <laughs> so okay. mm-hmm. uh, for me, that's another story that stuck out with me like for a long time. And not only because of the story itself, but also because and this is gonna be weird, but because of the motion controls, because when I'm playing that game, I'm playing that game. So I have my Wii button one hand as a sword, and I actually swing like a fucking sword. Immersion. <laughs> uh, immersion plus. Um, so, uh, you know, we're getting a little, little long on time it. here. So maybe, uh, Rick, why don't you... Just... No, sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> ahead, That's good. I was I'm sorry, sorry yeah, but... Yeah. It's stretching the topic a little bit to think, but... Uh, thing is, is about Skyward Sword is like the way it the they presented it like you know, mainly like the the intro sequence, uh, like setting up like everything Skylove and like what the relationship between uh Inks and Zelda is because they they start like as, as childhood friends and it uh, the first thing is is like. I am a fool, so when I get um, anything to uh, to make the game more immersive, I use it to the fullest potential. Uh, so, like, first of all, like the the story itself, like it really grabbed me. I think it's because like I I really like like the kind of stories of like the um, 
I want to say like the knights shining armor, like trying to get, uh, trying to rescue the princess or like defeat the dragon or stuff like that. And then uh, five, which I think I'm like one of the five people in the world that actually like five. <laughs> that is like your companion. And also like the uh, the mocha controls, it, it all comes together to, uh, into this nice little package for me where I I really felt like uh, it, it was like, yeah, I'm gonna be the one rescuing, uh, rescuing Zelda because I wasn't the one like pressing the buttons. I was the one thing swinging the fucking sword. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I suppose that is probably the one game that had the most coherent story out of Zelda games, but um, but actually, I don't know. But, but here, um, jokes aside, we do actually have to move on because we're we're going to have a long episode today. So, Rick, why don't you bring it? What it's worth, two of my 401s I talk about all the time, so they should be next price to anyone. The first one... 13 Sentinels, I guess, Rim. Which does have a phenomenal story, so leave that out. <laughs> and, and Interestingly, touches on some similar themes as Soma in the way that it goes through, and I don't want to say any more than that, because if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should be playing it and finding out. Um, and then the other one that I always talk about is Ghost of Tsushima, which just does such a fantastic job of creating a place that feels real characters that feel authentic and genuine that you build a relationship with and a, a connection to and the way that game plays its story out is so powerful um it doesn't fall into the last of us trap it does give you um albeit only at the very end some agency in terms of where that story goes and and who your gin becomes um and then the other two are a short hike and this is to be fair this is more a, a feeling that stayed with me rather than the story itself, because it, it its whole thing is like, it's all about being in the moment and experiencing things as they're happening, which was nice. And, and the warm fuzzy feelings that that gave me by extension of its story stay with me to now. It's one I think about from time to time. And then the last one, um, which I'm thinking about because of the sequel, but also because it's amazing in its own right is the world ends with you, which has, I mean, that, that game story has layers when you when you go back there, I really should do a replay at some point. But <laughs> that's the sad sounds of a man with a backlog. <laughs> should play that again. I want to. I, I want to go back. It, the The problem is, I like hundred percented it when I first had it. When I was a teenager, and I had the time to sink ninety hours into it. About fifteen hours of which was like the ping system for leveling up some of the pins, which was very of its time. But the the, the core game underneath is incredible stylistically thematically in terms of character development there's just so much going on there and for all the all the reception all the critical sort of applause it got i still don't think it's talked about enough in terms of the things that it got right and nailed in a way that no other game before or since has done really um and hopefully the sequel even remotely lives up to that and that is where i'm going to leave nice that one well okay Man, we've given you content this week. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we got a whole lot. So, and all we ask in return is that you click like and subscribe. Oh, God. <laughs> See, it starts ironic, and then it's going to become legit eventually. <laughs> um, become. become. You're like, it is. Uh, let's, let's move on to guest the game. Welcome to guest the game, where the aim of the game is to guess the guest's game, which I feel like, uh, Everjad, you, you're perfect for this one. Um so I don't know if you had a chance before this, but basically we get guests to pick a title 
uh, uh, from how long to beat and read off completion times and we try to guess and Rick is like the champion at this game so yeah do you have a game for us that we're going to try out <laughs> I'm I'm intentionally not going to guess the first round <laughs> FYI so alright see if I can stump them alright let's find out alright so my game main story 8 hours okay. main plus extras 9 hours completionist 9 and a half hours <laughs> Okay. Um, some... It's one of those. Um... Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of it those. is one of those. <laughs> one of those video well, games. Well, hold on. Yeah, tell us what are the what are the completion notes? Yeah, let's see. So some completion notes are good ending, phenomenal game, hard. Okay. Stop there. Hold that thought. What do you two think? What are you thinking? No idea. Rick has an idea. Rick already I've, has an I've, idea. I've, yeah, I have an idea. I think I have an idea too, but I uh, have to do a little bit of research for myself. No, I don't think it's right. See, I was leaning in like a Hellblade-ish area because I was like, that's kind of a short game. That has a really good ending and like has interesting stuff, but like, I don't think it's long enough. Um, I don't think it I don't think Crazy. it fits the profile. Uh, oh, <laughs> Damn, no, I'm not sure. I need more, I think. What do you think, Paula? Do you know? Okay. I literally have like no idea. I think I know what it is. I actually do. <laughs> Are you serious? How no. do you look okay. up? Is it like something I should actually like know? <laughs> well, I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, uh, yeah. I was wondering if Paolo would know. I, I hope so. I think the other two will know. Hmm. Oh. That that's that lends to my suspicions. Okay. Well, what do you give think it, it is? Give Rick? us maybe another set. Of- Oh, I'd, shall I jump in? I I think it's Cyber Shadow. It is not. Oh, ah, so, right. <laughs> so I'll read this this completion note, which gives a, a broad idea. Okay. So this completion note it says: completed story, unlocked all bonuses, obtained every ending, replayed chapters for all potential bad endings, and then in parentheses it says choices. Oh, oh, oh. Hmm. oh. You said it was like, um, what were the times again? I'm trying to think. Uh, I think it's eight, eight and a half, nine. Oh, eight and a half, nine. Eight, eight and a half, nine. Sorry, it's eight, nine, nine and a half. We played all. I'm in uncharted waters here, not knowing what it is. (laughs) Yeah, like it says, it has many endings, so I'm. Many endings. Oh wow, man! This is good. You're. Well done. <laughs> like I, I feel like I'm. There's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Adult only rated version. Adult only rated. Adult is it only like rated version. A honey or something like that. <laughs> I don't think so. Is it no? Is no. it? Isn't that the only no. version? Is adult only? <laughs> like, I mean, it says something like. I mean, ever just something like uh, hard, but I, I assume it's like difficult. And I'm thinking like, what is difficult and has many endings, but it's like short enough. And then I'm like, but maybe not. I don't think this is it. Is it Killer is Dead? It is not. No. Mm-hmm. So here's a PS4 version. All okay. endings, tarot cards, and other side content finished. Uh, Hand of Fate. You repeat that. Is it? No. No, it's nope. not that. It's not hand. Can you repeat that? Tarot cards. Um, here's a hint that I'll give you that I'm. Tarot you know, cards. It has two names, um, so there's two potential answers from different territories. I believe the U.S. and the U.K. had different names. Oh. 
You said PS4. Uh, there's their cards. There's endings. There's chapters. I feel that this is something that I should actually know. Is it, is it the Wolf trip? Among Us? No, it's probably not, huh? It is neither of those. Okay. Because um, I, I feel would like... Would you like a release date? Sorry? I would like a release like date, a release actually. Date? <laughs> yeah, let's get a release date. So, North America, September 20th, 2005. Euro, 2005. September 16th, 2005. And it has oh, been remastered. Full version, right, 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 right. Yeah, it's, it's been remastered. It's been remastered. The problem is, now you said tarot cards, all I can think about is Persona. And I know it's not that because... <laughs> it is not. That, that's the like the tutorial dungeon for one of those games. Apart from the none, none of the other facts match up either. Let me read you the, the first part of the synopsis. So, Blank is a phenomenal thriller that lets you become multiple characters and view the experiences from multiple viewpoints. Incredible film-style design pulls you into the story until you're intimately immersed in the oh, game. Oh, I think I know what it is. Is it Fahrenheit? It is. Congratulations. Ah, Fahrenheit. I actually, I don't... Is that what it's called? Indigo, Indigo Prophecy. Prophecy. Indigo Prophecy. Yes. Oh, my God. That's what it's called here. Yeah. Damn. Good job. That was a good one. Indigo Prophecy. That Shit. was a great one. I did not know that one. Well, Rick, you're still you're leading the pack still three three zero for the rest of us. That was a good one. They're getting demolished. Indigo prophecy. God dang it! That is yeah. yeah. Those tarot cards fully threw me. <laughs> I know, and even on the site, Indigo prophecy slash Fahrenheit. Now I was just looking it up now. Yeah. Oh, that's yep. That was a good one. Okay, nice, nice. Those are some those are some great completion notes too. <laughs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, you ready? Are you ready to play? How long to, to beat, beat the, the game. game? Yeah, here we go. So I'm editing this week. This big old episode is mine. This, by the way. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, I feel my like... most excited moment of the podcast. Yes. All right, here we go. So let's see. I'm going to hit random here. Oh, oh. Uh, is that too oh. easy? So I got Mega Man. But yes. Mega Man. It's not very long, right? Let's, let's do one that's a little longer. Roll that again. <laughs> okay. I, I think this is a fun one. It's Mario Super Sluggers for the Wii. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, because I'm feeling like this is a game that could either be like, it's like three hours long or it's like three years long. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Does it even have a campaign? Um, I bet there's fucking characters. I didn't even know this game even existed. Mario Super Sluggers. I didn't know what he's played it. Sorry? None of us have played it, right? I haven't played it. No, nope. I have not. I like Paolo. I knew, or unlike Paolo, rather, I knew it was existed. I knew it existed. That that's the sum total of my knowledge about that. Yes, game, and it existed. I know it's a Nintendo franchise sports title, which means it's like an arcadey playing, you know. Yeah. Sports title. Um. Or yeah, maybe. Although they've they've done terrible things to the tennis ones recently, so you never know. Hmm. It's the Wii installment follow up to the yeah to Superstar Baseball. Um. But it's it's sport and adventure video game. Mm. mixed to positive reviews so it has exhibition challenge mode mini games toy field and whatnot so the exhibition it's like you actually play through oh and you have to unlock things and stuff ah this is what i'm worried about that's where the 100 in the main plus is going to be gross (laughs) so i've put main six hours so if it doesn't have a proper campaign i feel like that's an okay hedge because i'm going for all three times I've put 10 hours main plus and I've put 17 
for a hundred percent. I I can't decide whether I've under or overshot it. I'm I'm so <laughs> flying blind here. I know. Yeah. And the crazy thing for me though is that because like the randomizer it says it has twenty five or more completions, right? So like this game has enough <laughs> to, 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 you know to use, which blows my yeah. mind. Uh, I'm feeling eight hours at least because like. That's a it's fun actually from the community. Like we did this one episode, and then like inside a week, Average was like, "I've sorted you one in the site to do." <laughs> so I think we were using some random, like some yeah. weird like proprietary thing. The first episode, anyway. Sorry, Paula, Alex, I cut you both off. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah. All right. That's how you know I'm a fan of the podcast, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Made I'm a new feature. Thank you, because like. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it has a campaign, does it? I don't know. The exhibition thing, but like, like fucking mini games and stuff. Oh, like, the exhibition thing. Palmer's literally <laughs> holding her head like it hurts. I think. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like the 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 Mario game, the sport Mario games can be like very short or very long. Mm-hmm. So that completionist time is the one like I'm very worried about, but I'm counting like it is like uh, a Wii era and Mario Sports game, and I think the the other one was like Strikers, and that was like thirty hours. But no, this does have a game because it has what's called challenge mode, and challenge mode is basically a story mode where you have to unlock all of the characters, and there are so many characters in this game. Like just oh, looking, right. I'm, at, I'm adding. Mm. I'm adding two hours to everything. I'm nine, twelve, and nineteen. It really throws me off that it, they call it an adventure sports game. I like, know, right? But like looking at the characters right now, it's like team captains wise. I mean, to give you an idea of like, well, actually, I guess there's not. Oh yeah, but there's all these team players. I mean, Dixie Kong is in this. So is Tiny Kong and like all this other shit. I've changed my main back to seven hours. I feel like there's going to be some schmucks who like play one exhibition game. It's like right, done now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how a lot of sports titles go. Mm. Okay, I think I'm gonna go with six and a half uh, for main, seventeen and a half for main plus, and for one hundred percent, twenty nine and a half hours. Oh, the half <laughs> Ever hour. Dread, I feel like you and I have the same thing. I'm <laughs> going eight hours. <laughs> Maybe to be fun yep, and special, I'm gonna go fifteen hours and thirty minutes, uh, and then twenty five <sighs> hours, thirty minutes for one hundred percent. But I don't know. I just this is what I'm feeling. Like I feel like it's in this area. Although, uh, do I want to go crazy and say thirty hours? But I don't think, you know what? Whatever. Let's have fun. <laughs> Yolo. 30 hours for that 100%. That was my backup. I was going to uh, go 32. Yeah, right? Uh, uh, I have a message from my, te- from my teacher. I don't oh. know if that's good or not. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's locking better. in at 8 hours main, 15 hours main plus, and 25, 100%. All right. Are we ready? Yeah, here we go. Time to find out. All right. So, Mario Super Sluggers. Oh, my God. What? Main story, five hours. Main plus extra, five hours. Completionist, six hours. Five hours. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was going to be either. Can we do Mega Man instead? (laughs) (laughs) But see, if we did Mega Man, I'm pretty sure Mega Man is just like three, three, three. Yeah. It would have been so easy. You would just want to nail it. Even five points. Beautiful. Wow. Sorry, Randy, what were you saying? Um, I was gonna say I, I knew it was either gonna be like super super close or it was gonna be way blown out because it'd be like oh you have to do all the characters every single time through the whole campaign to get like all hundred percent right. 
Um, I guess it must have been pretty quick to go through it. Like it must just be a thing where the challenge mode, it's just easy to unlock everyone. I guess, I, you know, I guess that's what it is, right? You just play through the challenge mode and then everyone's unlocked. Um, oh, we psyched ourselves out with research. I should, I shouldn't just, I should have just yeah. not researched anything. Um, <laughs> uh, well, no points for anyone this week, which means we remain the same at 48, 43, 40, and zero for our guests, but that's okay. My lead is once again intact. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you so much, Randy, for joining us this week. Um, this Been was, an honor, Patty. Yeah, such a pleasure. And as always, we'll be back next week with more ridiculous gaming shenanigans. Toodles. Uh, most importantly, the finale of Otome. Don't miss it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Did you unlock all the routes? <laughs> aka you gotta listen to all the podcast episodes before you get into this one (laughs) all right that's it we're done (laughs) thanks to the entire community for making this site possible and making my dreams come true oh that's that's a lovely note to end on that's where we end that's where we end not not on your terrible like visual novel flow chart (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's a critic. (laughs) 